My name is Joe Rigney, and this is a free episode from a four-part series on Canon Plus called The Everyman's Guide to Emotional Sabotage. Doug Wilson and I walk through four different fables, each with a moral, ranging from beware the sensitivities of the insensitive and reasonableness is the natural manure of terrorism. Don't miss all of the episodes at joincanonplus.com. Without further ado, here's the first episode titled, When Everything is Going Well, Watch Out. I'm Joe Rigney, author of the forthcoming Leadership and Emotional Sabotage, coming soon from Canon Plus. And one of the influences on my book was uh, a man named Edwin Friedman, who wrote a number of books on uh, family psychology and family therapy, um, one of which was called Friedman's Fables. And one of the values of Friedman is his ability to put his finger on the sore spots, to identify the challenges and struggles we deal with in all various areas of life. And the fables do that in a particularly potent way. So I thought it would be really helpful to talk about some of them. And since Doug shares my appreciation for Friedman, yes. I thought it'd be fun to talk about them with him. Yes. Doug, thanks, thanks for doing this. Yeah. Good. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to summarize the fable because some of them can be a little bit long. Uh, but I'm going to read, uh, read, summarize. Um, one of these fables, the first one is called The Bridge. Uh, it's, one of my, it's one of the favorites. Um, so I'm gonna summarize it for the, the audience and then we'll talk about what in the world is that about. So here's how it goes. There was a man, uh, once a man who'd given uh, much thought to what he wanted from life hmm. and had really struggled to, uh, to ever get it, right? He thought a lot about it but never been able to get it. But then all of a sudden he realized, I know what I'm about, I know what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna go there. I just gotta wait for the right opportunity. And soon enough, right opportunity comes and off he goes on his great adventure. And so he's heading there, going down the road, and he comes to a bridge uh, above a, a big river, and he starts walking across the bridge and sees coming from the other way um, another man um, walking towards him. And as he gets closer, he realizes that the other man um, has a rope tied around his waist, which he thinks is odd, but you know, yeah. it's it's a story. It's California. It's California. <laughs> so, and keeps on going, but uh, as he's going, the, the other stranger walks up to him and says, um, pardon me, can, could you just hold this for a second? And sort of taken by surprise, says, oh, sure, grabs the rope. And immediately the stranger jumps over the side. And the guy grabs the rope and is being pulled over to the side, catches it, and the guy's just hanging there from from the rope. And he's he's totally baffled by this. What were you doing? What, what is going on? So he starts telling, what are you trying to do there? Oh, just hold on, just hold on to the rope. Uh, this is ridiculous. I, you've you've got you to help me, I got to get you up. Why are you doing this? Uh, just remember, says the stranger, if you let go, I'm done. But I can't pull you up. I, I, well, still, I'm your responsibility. Um, but I didn't ask for this. All I'm saying is, if you let go, I'm lost. And so our hero, baffled by this, starts looking around. Can I tie the rope to anything? Nothing to tie it to. Is there anybody else coming? Nobody else is coming. What, what am I going to do? And so what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? And the stranger says, I just want your help. Okay, well, how, how can I help? I can't pull you in, you're too heavy. Uh, there's no place to tie the rope, I can't go get anybody. Well, I, I know, just keep holding the rope. Just keep holding the rope. In fact, you should tie it around your waist because it'll be easier, your hands won't hurt so much. And fearing his arms might get tired, he decides to do that, ties it around his waist. Why, why did you do this? He yells down at the man. Don't you see what you've done? What possible purpose could you have had in mind? And the man responds, well, just remember my life is in your hands. And so this is, our hero is faced with the dilemma here. Do I, what do I do? Do I keep holding the rope? And if I do, I'm stuck. I'm gonna miss my opportunity. That thing's gonna sail away. Or if I let go, this guy's gonna die. This is, this is unfair. Um, what, what choice 
should I ever, what should I make here? And then as he's thinking about it, he realizes, hey, wait a minute, maybe I can't pull him up by myself, but maybe if he starts to kind of curl himself in, sort of, you know, Tom Cruise Mission Impossible style or something, he'll be able to wind himself back up. And so he hollers down at the stranger and says, listen, I've got an idea. If you start to roll, I think I could brace and you'd be able to pull yourself back up. But the stranger's not interested. What, what do you mean you're not interested? You, why won't you help, help yourself? I, I can't pull you up. I can't hang on much longer. Well, says the stranger, you gotta try, because if you don't, I'm dead. And uh, finally, the point of decision arrives. Is it my life or this guy's? What am I gonna do? And at, all of a sudden, something bursts in on our hero, and he thinks, wait a minute, I, I want you to listen carefully, man, because I, I mean what I'm about to say. I do not accept the position of choice for your life, but only for my own. So the position of choice for you, I'm putting back in your hands, um, I'm giving it back to you. And then the stranger said, wait, 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 what do you mean? I mean, it's up to you. You decide how this is gonna go. You decide how it ends. I'll be the counterweight. You do the pulling and bring yourself up. I'll help as much as I can, um, but that's how this is gonna go. You don't mean that, you know? If, and if you don't, I'm gonna let it go. You wouldn't do that. You wouldn't be so selfish. I'm your responsibility. Don't do this. And then our hero waits for a moment, no change in the tension of the rope, and finally says, I accept your choice and lets it go. Okay. Okay. That's gnarly. Yes. What, what do we make of that parable? Well, first, if you don't recognize about five, three to five situations in your own life, <laughs> you're not paying attention to the, to the parable. Right. Right? Um, the guy who jumped off the bridge is basically uh, an evil terrorist and a human shield all in one. Okay. Right. Yeah. So I'm going to be the terrorist and I'm going to be the, you know, one more step and, and, yeah. and the hostage gets it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So the old Mad Magazine. Well, uh, but he, but we, terrorist sounds, that sounds pretty um, mean. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds mean. And the, and the whole, um, uh, the whole situation is constructed to make it look like, the guy holding the rope is the murderer, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, so if and you're gonna you're gonna if you let go, you're gonna toss and turn for the rest of your life. Yes, that's right. You're gonna um, you you're an evil person for even thinking oh. for even thinking about it. Right. Um, and the the key word in your book uh, title is sabotage. Yeah. And that's what this is. Okay. So um, you have a a person who is um, going. Uh, going places, he's got a plan, things are going well, mm -hmm. right? When you're in a garden like that, look around for the serpent, there will yeah. be, a, there yeah, so will that, be a serpent. That's the thing. We think we look around for a serpent and we expect a big scary dragon or something like that. Right. Instead, it's a guy who sort of looks like us with a rope. Right. So, it, and I think this, this is part of what's um, so unnerving about it is in this case, the villain doesn't look like a villain. Right. He acts like a villain. Right. But it's, it's a disguised villainy, huh. right? It's um, well, it's a, it's probably the uh, one of the principal disguises of villainy in our modern era, which is villainy dressed up as a victim. Okay, uh, yeah. So uh, the, the villains now put on victim clothing, uh -huh. and they position themselves uh -huh. to be the victim, right? And then we'll blame you if you right follow through, right? Almost like if like a wolf 
right. dressed up like a sheep. Almost. <laughs> is it sort of like that? Yeah, it's sort of like, sort that. Of like that. So uh, Friedman says the moral, he, he, he includes a moral with all of these. The moral of this is when things start going really well, watch out. Right. Why is it that, um, that this sort of thing happens when things are going well? Like well, what, what is it about going well that attracts this sort of sabotage? Uh, Karen Grant, George Grant's wife, says bright lights attract big bugs. Okay. <laughs> right. Yeah. So when things are going well, when something's happening, when something's going well, um, there are people who, there are some people who want to hitch their wagon to that. Yep. Yeah, there are people, they're climbers, they're ambitious. Yep. And if you're going places, they want to go too. And some of them want to go as genuine helpers. You know, they, they want to enlist in your, mm -hmm. um, in your project. Some people are simply free riders. They, they're, they're ambitious, and if this looks like it's going places, they want to go too. Yeah. And uh, if they have to help, then okay, but they just want to go. Yeah. Uh, other people, and there's a perverseness in this, um, there's always a saboteur. Mm -hmm. There's always someone who wants to wreck it. Hijack it. Hijack it, they, wreck it. They see you, you're, that what they see is motion, right? and they have a different destination. Right, and, and and the and the destination basically, I would reduce all of these uh, emotional machinations uh -huh. to envy. Okay, right. How dare you be going places? Uh -huh. How dare you be about to succeed? Uh -huh. I I will see to it that you don't succeed. Uh -huh. And of course, I might die as well. I'm you know, if I'm willing I, to go down with the ship. I'm willing to go down. I'd rather I'd rather die and have your whole thing wrecked yep. than to live my life and you live yours. Yeah, there's an old. Uh, there's an old poem, I think, by Victor Hugo called about envy and greed. And they meet the god Desire walking along the way. And the god Desire says, I'll give you whatever you want, but you need to know if I, if whatever I give you, I'm going to give to your sister double. Right. And they, they're just tormented by this. They don't know what to do. They're just thinking about if I say this, then he's, he's, she's going to get mm -hmm. that. And they're looking at each other. Greed's got her little box and Envy's looking at the box. What is he, what's it going to be? And then finally, um, Envy looks up with a glimmer in her eye and says, I, I know what I want. I would be blinded in one eye. <laughs> right? right? So like I, I'll, yeah. I'm willing to go down um, as long as they get it and if they get yeah. it worse. Right. So when I read, when I read that, hear that parable, uh, the word that jumps out to me or as sort of like a, the catch-all is responsibility. Mm -hmm. which is a subject that I think in the modern world is a really confused one. We don't get yes. how responsibility works. So in the, in the parable, it seems like the man holding the rope, does he have some measure of responsibility for the guy hanging there? Is, is he responsible? How does responsibility work? Yeah, well, what's happening, I, I said you've got villainy disguised as victimhood, uh -huh. and, the, and this is why the disguise works, because it's a counterfeit knockoff of... The parable of the Good Samaritan. Yeah. So, uh, so Jesus teaches us clearly: if you've got places to go and you've got a good yeah. thing going, and you're walking along the walking along the bridge, and you come across a guy beat up, left yeah. for dead. Now what? Right. Well, he he is your responsibility. Yeah. Assigned to you by God. Mm -hmm. Right. So, uh, God, who's my neighbor? Well, your neighbor is whoever right. God has placed in front of you. So responsibility should be, we should pick up responsibility when God assigns it. But when another person, a human being, assigns that responsibility to us and they just walk up to us and do it, uh -huh. then there's a serpent in here somewhere because 
you don't get to do that. When when people take responsibility for one another, huh. uh, there needs to be a covenant involved. Huh. Right? Right. So either God assigns the responsibility, parable of the Good Samaritan, or you stand in front of a church and take vows. Take vows. It, uh, and then the vows entail you and the, any children born. You're in covenant relationship. But if someone says, um, if you don't give me it walks up to you on the street. If you don't give me fifty dollars, I'm going to shoot myself. Mm-hmm. Um, what they're trying to do is um, coercively uh, force responsibility on you, and and responsibility doesn't work that way. Yeah. So, um, how would it work though in a home? Because it seems to me that the same kind of hostage situation, which is effectively what we have in the parable, right, um, could happen within a covenant home. Yes. Right. So, in fact, it frequently does. Frequently does. Right. This is where this is where it gets the thorniest. So, the extreme end, you've got sort of the um, uh, the, the trans kid who says, "If you don't go along with my, you know, um, surgery, I'll, I'll I'll commit suicide." Right. That's sort of an extreme version. But right. the, what's what's the but I and, and some people may face that. But for a lot of sort of normal homes, normal homes, this sort of thing can show up. And how how does it look then? Yeah. Is, is it possible for one family member? To hand another family member the rope. Yeah. Okay. okay. And so, what is the what is the rope? Yeah. Well, I said you go to the front of the church and you make a covenant. Well, covenants have stipulations. They have defined terms. There are assigned responsibilities in the covenant. Yeah. So when someone's handing someone the rope, if you're doing enacting this parable inside a family, yeah. you are invariably violating the constitutional terms of the covenant. Okay. Right. The if the wife hands her husband the rope, she's usurping his authority. Okay. Right. The, because the covenant terms, uh, he's the covenant head. Yep. Right. If he hands her the rope, he is um, exercising authority in an ungodly way. He he has authority that he should use without the rope trick. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right? It seems to me that too that part of part of the message. So Friedman's only got he's got, he's got two people. Uh, involved, but for we're Christians, so there's always a third party involved, namely God, and that some sort of the expectation running under that sort of hidden in the parable and that makes it sting is you're the savior, mm-hmm. right? So the guy holding the rope thinks I'm the savior, right? And therefore I'm ulti- and I'm ultimately responsible. I have to be my own savior. I have to get myself out of this. Yes, and and that I'm resp- and I need to save this person. So one of the one of the ways that I think this can show up in a family is when. Well, do you excuse me? Do you mean I have to save the person at the end of the rope, or yeah. I have to save myself? I mean both. So okay. is that is that the idea is there's only two parties. So it's either he's going to save himself, or I'm going to save him, yeah. and either or I'm going to save me. And it's yeah. all there's Got only it. humans involved. We're Christians, so we believe God's involved. Jesus is involved. Mm-hmm. Jesus is the way out. So how is Jesus the way out? Well, it seems that the message of the parable, the letting go of the rope, is sort of an acknowledgement that, God, I can't save anybody. Hmm. And that there's a, there's a way in which for, for homes, one of, the, one of the ways that a parent might actually grab the rope of their kid is by taking the wrong kind of responsibility for their mm-hmm. kid's salvation. So I think, and in fact, I think uh, it may have been in Sunday, church on Sunday, I think you mentioned uh, Spurgeon's mom. Yeah. Spurgeon's yeah, so mom, what, yeah. what, what did Spurgeon's mom say when he was a kid? It, well, he, was, um, he was not yet a Christian teenager, and she said, um, you've been given every opportunity, Charles, uh-huh. and I want you to know at the day of judgment when you face God, and he's about to ke- condemn you to hell, yeah. your mother will be there, and she will say amen. Right, <laughs> right, <laughs> which lands on you the same way that, what did she just do? Yeah, she let go of the she rope. She let go of the rope. Right. Right, she let go of the rope. She knew my responsibility here is to teach him, 
to raise them to you know, the, the to come back to what you said a minute ago about the terms of the covenant the, the things that that parents are responsible for raise your children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord it's not save their souls so it's two th there's two things involved Jesus is involved in this mm -hmm. number one and number two you are not him <laughs> that's right yeah, yeah now I I have to put you are not he predicate nominative but that's <laughs> that sounds pretentious <laughs> you are not he. Um, but there but there is a way in which sort of relieve relieving yourself of the responsibility of controlling things of you can't maneuver your kid into heaven you can't maneuver your spouse right. into um, uh, obedience to God you've got to let that go yeah, child rearing is not a technique. Yeah, it's not. It's not a cert, insert tab A into slot B. Right. You don't follow the directions, and everything comes out. It's people. It's relationships, uh -huh. and God wants to govern relationships by means of covenant, and that's not the same thing as our devices and machinations and tricks. Yeah, yeah, all the manipulations. So, and so there's a way in which, like, part of it, you know, another way to come at the uh, the message, right? Is you, every time you get on an airplane, the the, the flight attendants are going to tell you. If we're if we've experienced turbulence, that mask is falling, and what do you do? You put you, put your mask on first, right. and then help. Right. And and holding the rope is refusing to put your mask on. It's refusing to acknowledge I can't do this. I'm right. I'm not in a position to actually save this person. Right. God is, and thankfully, as for you know, as Christian parents, God's made promises. Yeah. That He will. Yeah. And so we trust Him. Let go of the rope. Um, and so that's that's the thing that doesn't show up. So the, the the fable ends with sort of the rope dangling and the guy falling to his death. Um, but part of the point is there's a third party. And you th well, you think, man, Friedman plays hardball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, but but if you don't do that, if you yeah. if, if you're not prepared to do that, then uh, what happens is you've ceded the rule of the world to irrational, insane people. Yeah. Like the guy who jumps off the bridge, right? You will get lots more jumpers. Yes. So, it, end of the matter. All has been heard. Uh, is when things start going really well, watch out. And also, Jesus is the way out. Right. Trust Him and let go of the rope. Right. And but you might say, how how are Rigney and Wilson not advocating murder, cold-blooded murder? <laughs> right. <laughs> well, no, it's suicide disguised as murder. Right. That, that's what it is. Yeah. Good.